Welcome to Mad Lit Musings, a podcast with Jamie Jo Wright, where we go deeper and ask the tough and dangerous questions. Today's episode is sponsored by Ravel and Bethany House Publishers, which are divisions of Baker Publishing Group. Find out more at bakerpublishinggroup.com. Hello, everyone. It's Jamie Joe with Madlet Musings again, and I'm here today to feature Jennifer Dival, who writes Irish historical romance and just came out with The Maid of Ballymacool. Did I pronounce that right? Yes, you did. Perfect. Did. Okay, awesome. Cool. So first of all, tell us a little bit about why you write Irish because yes. I know why, but readers should know why. <laughs> yes. So one, Ireland is amazing. Um, everyone should go there if they have the chance to. And if not, they should go there through my books. Um, but my husband and I were blessed enough to spend about six years in Ireland. Um, we lived up in County Donegal for two years when it was just my husband and I. And then we came back to the States for a while and then went back to the Galway area for about four years. Um, so, so far, all of my stories have been set between Donegal and Galway. Um, so there's that familiarity and kind of mm -hmm. authenticity from having spent so much time in that area. So it's fun to bring that to this side of the world so that people can experience it because a lot of people are never going to be able to get over that far. So, right. Um, right. yeah, it's on my bucket list. I haven't been to Ireland. I've been to other places in in Europe, but not Ireland. So I, I'm not Irish though either. So I gave precedence to Germany. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I know you've been to Germany too. So there's that. Yes. Germany, Austria. Yes. We've yeah. been lots of places. I've been all over the place. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the maid of Bally McCool. So this story was so much fun to write. Um, it's kind of being touted as a sort of new spin on a Cinderella story retelling. Mm. It's not really a strict retelling. It just kind of mm -hmm. has a Cinderella vibe uh, because Brianna Kelly, our heroine, um, is the lowest scholarly maid at Valley McCool boarding school and yeah. boarding house for girls. And she's been there her whole life, as long as she can remember. And for whatever reason, the headmistress treats her with great disdain and vitriol mm. and um, is quite abusive to her, actually. And so she gets one afternoon a week where she can leave the school, like the immediate grounds and okay. go exploring the woods that surround the school. And so that's where mm -hmm. she kind of finds her solitude. And that's where she connects with God and with nature. And, um, but through over the years, she's found all kinds of treasures that people have lost out in the woods. And so, um, okay. on one of her outings, uh, she comes across this metal, something she can't it's so badly damaged and rusted she can't tell what it is and before she can figure it out then she kind of gets in trouble for some things and her time off is taken away so she's oh. stuck slaving away in this boarding school and with this sort of buried desire for more to do more be more make a difference in the world with no possible way out to do that yeah. um so in the middle of all this michael ray um shows up at the school he's been sent to deal with his unruly cousin who has mm -hmm. been sent from dublin to bally mccool because she has 
quite literally burned all the bridges her family has down in Dublin and no one else in her family wants to deal with her. So Michael has been sent. And when he arrives, he finds that things at Ballymacool are not what the reputation says they are. And when he runs into Brianna, there's something about her that just draws him to her. And of course he thinks she's beautiful, but it's more than that. She's almost familiar to him, but he has Mm. no idea why. And so he kind of takes it upon himself to sort of be her protector and they work together to try and get to the bottom of this thing that she's found. And it turns out to hold kind of the key to a lot of different things. And so it explores themes of belonging and family Mm -hmm. and faith in hard circumstances. And so, um, yeah. And they, they spend a lot of time together. There's a little bit of forced proximity that goes on, which. Oh gosh, darn. So I know. You might have a little bit of romance brewing, huh? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that though. And I love the concepts that you bring out in your books. Um, and you know, obviously here on my podcast, I love to talk about the books, but I love to talk about the spiritual elements too. And Mm. we were talking before we came on the air here, um, about identity and belonging. What made you go in that direction as far as exploring those themes and and that element of who am I and what's my purpose? Mm. Well, both the hero and the heroine, um, the hero, Michael, he comes from the ascendancy class, which is sort of the Protestant upper class that rose to the top after Ireland gained its independence. So there's no longer like landed gentry, but this Mm -hmm. is like the elite and they're, they kind of operate like landlords sort of. Um, So that's how he's been raised. She is the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And they both struggle to reconcile the tug they feel in their spirit to the way things should be in the world and between people with what they've seen in their own experiences. And so as I was kind of digging into their past to get to know them, to figure out how would they react in these situations, you know, it just kind of was a natural thing. They were both going, what, who am I? Like, Mm -hmm. okay, yes, I'm ascendancy class male and I'm supposed to take over my family's estate or I'm this scullery maid with not a penny to my name what does that mean? Like, who does that make me? And so they both are kind of wrestling with that. And even our villain characters are also going through the same things. We get to kind of see a glimpse into the past of the headmistress who makes Brianna's life miserable. And she too is searching for this identity, for this purpose. Hmm. Um, And it, it shapes every choice she makes. And for her, she tries to find her identity in places that aren't aren't strong enough to mm-hmm. provide that for her. And so then it, it ends up, things go terribly wrong. And so I could also relate to that myself in my own walk with Christ, kind of trying to figure out, okay, where do I fit into this whole plan that you have for mm-hmm. the world and raising my kids? How do I, how do I help them see who yeah. they are in Christ and who he's, who he's created them to be? And so a lot of that was going on in my mind while I was kind of in the planning stages of the story. So yeah, I find a lot of times in these stories, the the theme kind of finds me. I don't set out to go, okay, this is going to be my identity book. It just kind of, right. the characters show me what sure. it needs to be. Yeah. They kind of take you on your own journey. Yeah. Why do you yeah. think, you know, thinking about our identity and our purpose, why do you think mankind struggles so much to find some sort of sense of belonging or purpose? Mm. 
I think there's a few reasons. One, we were not created to do life alone. You know, mm. that was one of the first things God said when Adam was created was it is not good for man to be alone. And yeah. so we're created with this innate need to connect with God, with other people and to kind of serve and be served in mm -hmm. certain ways. Um, so I think that's one part. I think the other part is the things that we tend to believe will bring that identity to us and that sense of belonging. We chase those and when we get them, they're not enough. Mm -hmm. So then we're going, well, if that's not who I am, or if that's not what I'm supposed to be, then it's got to be this next thing. And we just keep chasing after that rather than looking to the one who can fill that void and provide mm -hmm. that context for who we are in no matter the circumstance, we tend to, I think right. our sense of identity tends to change on how comfortable we are with our circumstances as well. Right. Yeah. I've always kind of joked a little bit about it, but it's, it's true that as humans, we can kind of be chameleons where mm -hmm. we change the color of our, you know, leopards or leopard skin <laughs> or lizard skin. <laughs> wow. This is a really bad analogy. But you know where you know a chameleon changes the color of their skin based on mm -hmm. where they're at, and mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we go through life and we constantly are shifting to fit in the circumstances or the people group around us um, to a point where we're no longer sure even who we mm -hmm. are anymore. Absolutely, but, yeah, yeah. So okay, I'm gonna really pick your brain on this one. How, if someone's listening, how do they go about finding their identity? in their creator versus the things around them. You know, I'm still learning this lesson myself, but what I'm finding is the way to it, it is sort of, um, sort of a little bit like wonderland where up is down and down is up. Um, <laughs> for me, I have to stop thinking about myself and quit trying to find who am I, what am I, and look to him and see who is he, what is he, and look to him. Mm -hmm. And as I'm watching him, then he like kind of works those things out. And suddenly I find I, I matter, I'm important, but I'm not, I don't matter in the way that I thought that I did. And mm. some of the things that I do, like I'm focusing on the wrong thing. So spending that time, getting to know him through his word, reading his word, spending time talking with him, listening with him, and then sharing with other people who are on that same faith journey. And what is God saying to you? How have you seen yeah. God? Because sometimes he reveals himself in a different way to them than I've seen, or I see how he's working in their life and it encourages mm -hmm. me in mine. So again, it comes back to that community, community with God through his word and through prayer and community with other believers as we walk kind of this weird road of faith together. Yeah, no, that's really true. And I think it's, you know, kind of looking at your book again, you mentioned, you know, your heroine is a scholarly maid and your heroes of the more elite. And I think even sometimes within the Christian faith, we can get caught up in the gradients mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. of maturity of faith. And so like, I'm a new Christian. So therefore, um, you know, this person obviously has more faith than I do because they've, mm. you know, been a Christian since they were born or whatever. It's almost like it's mm -hmm. a caste, caste system in Christianity where when you really get us all robbed before Christ, <laughs> there's no caste system. Trust me, no. we're all sinners and that's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
And yeah. a lot of times I think those that are a little more veteran in their faith can often learn more from a new believer because it's, mm -hmm. they're seeing things through that lens for the first time. Whereas we've right. kind of grown accustomed, you know, I, I chose to start following Jesus when I was five mm -hmm. and then kind of recommitted to that later on in life. And so I've spent the majority of my life in this faith world. And so sometimes I think the stuff that is actually quite remarkable feels blase to me because it's yeah. what I've known for so long. And so yeah. I think we have to be willing to kind of listen to to everybody, even if it seems like, oh, well, they've right. only, you know, whatever, like you're exactly right. right I think right. that's very well, true. And when you think about the maid of Bally McCool and you think about the concept of that, you, you refer to it sort of like a Cinderella concept a little bit, mm. um, but you picture that Cinderella moment or that moment where you enter this kingdom and you're like, whoa, I mean, there's this awe and this Im impressiveness about it. And you translate that into the Christian faith and you translate into that finding your identity. And all of a sudden, mm. when you realize that you are actually not just associated or influenced by it, but you are a part of it. Yes. It's extremely awe-inspiring at that point. It is. There's actually a moment in the story when um, Brianna and Michael are talking and he mentions something about his prayers and she has that moment of like, oh my gosh, I never mm. thought that other people are praying at the same time I am. And we could mm. be praying about the same thing mm. because she spends so much of her time in isolation. She kind okay. of forgets that the world exists. And so she realizes that at any given moment, she could be unified in prayer and conversation mm. with wow. her creator. And it was such a tender moment for her faith because she realized, you know, I'm not as alone as I thought. And yeah, so, um, I think the same thing, it's the, it's the same is yeah. true for us. We just have to, to let ourselves remember that. Oh yeah. And then, and then the identity that comes from that and exactly. yes, you're, you're part of a bigger picture. You're part of the creator. And then you're part of this family mm -hmm. of, of believers worldwide, globally. It's yeah. Wow. Ooh, getting goosebumps over here at Mad Lib Musings. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a quick break and we come back. I want to pick your brain a little bit more about some of the Irish historical elements that you put in the book. Sounds good. Are you enjoying today's broadcast with our featured author? You can find out more about them and other authors from Baker Publishing Group at bakerbookhouse.com. Use code MADLIT40 for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title at bakerbookhouse.com. This also includes Ravel and Bethany House Publishing. Go over fast. It's MADLIT40. That's your magic code for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title. And we're back here at Madlet Musings with Jennifer Dybel, who writes Irish historical romance fiction from Ravel Publishing, um, a subsidiary of Baker Publishing Group. And this book is called The Maid of Ballymacool. I was going to say The Bride of Ballymacool, <laughs> but she's not a bride. She's a scullery maid. So there's a difference. 
But what are some of the fun um, historical elements? We've talked a lot about the spiritual elements, which is great. Um, but I know people who are interested in the book may want to know a little bit more about the history and what mm. you threw in there from Ireland, because that's unique. So Ballymacool House is a real place. It actually exists. It um, was owned originally by the Boyd family, who okay. was another family of the ascendancy class in the Letterkenny area of County Donegal. And originally when I was planning this or started brainstorming this story, I was thinking of setting it at Kylemore Abbey, which is okay. another pretty recognizable building. Even if people don't know the name, they'd recognize the picture if they saw it. But then on social media, I came across this drone footage of this ruin of a building overgrown with ivy and it was very haunting and I was like well where is that so I started looking and it was Bally McCool so I started researching this history and I thought okay that's where it has to be so I fibbed a little it's never been a boarding school but the building <laughs> is still there you can if you go to Bally McCool Park just outside of Letterkenny you can go and see the ruins um and then the house really was it was um overrun by soldiers during the Irish War for Independence Okay. And they ousted the Boyd family, kicked them out, ran them out of town, mm -hmm. and they took over the house for a while and they looted a bunch of things. And a lot mm -hmm. of the valuables were recovered. But one specific thing that dated back to the Mary, Qu Mary Queen of Scots, mm -hmm. um, she was related to the Boyd family through marriage over the centuries. And so this thing, this item had been passed down and was in the Boyd's possession and um it too was looted and it was never found and oh, wow. so i started thinking what <laughs> if somebody found it like what yeah. would happen so that works its way into the story a little bit plus it's the 1930s in ireland and it's really interesting because rural ireland especially was several years if not decades behind kind of the technology so okay you know the first home didn't have a telephone until 1951 or something like that. Wow. Um, electricity did not make it out to the rural areas till the 40s. So wow. at Ballymacool House, they're still using lanterns and they're still riding horses and things like that. So it's kind of a fun Interesting. juxtaposition. But then Michael's family has a motor car, but he doesn't like it. He likes his horse because it's, you know more yeah. reliable or whatever. So <laughs> it was kind of fun to play around with with that kind of contrast as well right. that, that really really did exist at that time yeah oh that's cool I didn't realize that was the case with the mm. kind of behind the times thing because I know I mean even in the U.S. by the early 1900s they for the most mm -hmm. part had electricity in a lot of places and mm -hmm. phone usage and stuff crazy yeah. so like Dublin the the wealthier families the wealthier buildings um, would have had those things first, of course. And then it took a very long time to make its way out because the rural areas, everything was so spread out. There was no central way to, yeah. to get any of that to anybody because they, you might be, you know, half a mile from your closest neighbor and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sheep, <laughs> sheep grazing fields and in between. Sheep. So like, how do you do that? <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was, it's interesting to learn about how they finally started getting yeah. some of those modern amenities. That's awesome. So it's not a stereotype. There are lots of sheep no, in Ireland. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I always see that in movies like, you know, I'm trying to think of the name. Uh, Leap Year was one of the movies and there's, there's oh, sheep yeah. in that one. And then there's sheep in this Irish movie. And I'm like, okay, 
is this accurate or is this just some yes. awful stereotype? <laughs> no, it really is. And where we lived in Donegal and near where this story is set, um, the farmers just, the, the sheep are free range. They just go okay. and the, the farmers spray, well, now they spray paint. I don't know what they did back in the day, but now yeah. they spray paint their herd. So if they get mixed up, they can identify oh, them or whatever. Sure. So it's not uncommon for you to be delayed because there's a herd of sheep walking down the road or laying in the middle of the road and you have to wait for them to move or oh and sheep are a little bit more stubborn than people realize so (laughs) oh for sure for sure and they can be mean too yeah they can if they get a bold streak in them they can Mm -hmm. they can do some damage (laughs) yeah yeah I worked on um it called a mini farm because it was at a camp but they had some sheep and I was always like sheep are they're stupid for one thing Mm -hmm. I mean they have like Mm -hmm. it's like they have no common sense um and there was this one sheep I was trying to get her to move just so I could close the gate. That's all I needed. And I'm pushing on her. And of course they're big, you know, they're not small. Mm-hmm. And she just turns around and nails me with her head oh. like a billy goat. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> What's the matter with you? <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So, yeah. They're very anyway. stubborn. Yeah. They, they definitely are kind of like people. I was going to say, yeah. And then Jesus yeah. likened us to them. So um, yeah. Yeah. So maybe we should uh, a be a little careful how we, okay. I take it back. They're not stupid. They're extremely <laughs> intelligent. <laughs> oh, fun. Well, is there anything mm-hmm. else about the Native Valley McCool that we should know or that you wanted to share with us today? You know, I really just feel as I finished up the story and was praying through like, who is the story for, mm-hmm. you know, anybody who's ever felt unloved or unseen or overlooked or stuck in a impossible situation with mm-hmm. no end in sight like this is the book for you because you know Brianna has a pretty horrible existence and she could have let it ruin her faith and make her bitter but instead she allows her heart to remain soft it's it's like I think it actually is an Irish proverb that says the same the same boiling water that hardens the egg softens the potato kind of a thing Mm, that's what it says um so just if you've struggled with that like nobody Mm -hmm. appreciates what I do nobody sees Mm -hmm. how hard I'm working this book is for you and I pray that it would just be an encouragement to your soul and that you would see in its pages how much you you truly are loved Mm, absolutely if readers want to find the book and find out more about you where do they go so the one-stop shop to find all the things about me would be my website. It's just jenniferdibel.com. And from there, you can learn about all of my books. You can sign up for my newsletter and there's links to all of my social media and all the books are available wherever you enjoy buying books. Um, nice. And this one is available in paperback, ebook, audiobook once it launches and I think hardback as well. Awesome. So is the audiobook going to have the Irish accent in it? It is. I'm so yes. excited. They actually got um, an Irish woman. She does um, Irish voiceover work uh, overseas. And um, she's one She's one of the famous voices of a radio drama that's been okay. going for years. Sure. Um, so I'm very excited. The, the other awesome. two have done a phenomenal job, but they've both been Americans that do great Irish accents, but I'm very excited to have. The authentic. A real Irish a real woman. Irish woman. 
Yes. Love it. Awesome. All right. Well, if you have not already ordered your copy of The Made of Valium Cool, it is available now so you can order it and um, get that one shipped to you. And then um, check out Jennifer Dival online and social media. And I can attest she's a pretty cool human being. So you're going to want to get to know her. Thanks for being, thanks for being with us today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's always so much fun. Thank you for listening to Madlit Musings. You can find out more information about Madlit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com. Or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at jamiewrightbooks.com.